0: hello everyone and welcome to the stephen king cast one man's musings on the works of stephen king and i am here today to just check in so first of all i apologize guys it's been over a month since i've released an episode and for those of you tuning in for the first time welcome to the stephen king cast um this is a very long-running stephen king podcast the initial goal of the, the this podcast was to read each of Stephen King's works in the chronological order of publication and, and give a deep analysis of, of each. Um, I did that, uh, and since then what my focus has been is to examine the endings of the works of Stephen King in order to determine whether or not Stephen King um, should hold the reputation that he does for not being able to end his books. And it's been a fun exercise because um, 14 14 books in so far, I believe, is where we left off. And so far, the endings, using the criteria that um, I have established, um, meets the threshold for a pretty solid conclusion. So, so far, um, he does not deserve the reputation that he, he has across the board. So that's what I've been doing lately. And over the last month, I have really put a pin in it. I haven't really put anything out. You know, I've, I've tweeted and, and done some Facebook stuff. Um, but in terms of the actual podcast, I've, I've been kind of silent. And I don't really have a good explanation why. Um, I'm healthy. Everything is fine. i um, knock on wood, um, my family and I are, are very, very fortunate that we have been able to ride the corona wave um, with, with very little uh, turbulence. So we, we've been fortunate. Um, we're, we're a happy little family. Um, you know, we're, we're taking things seriously. Um, I, I happen to live in a state um, where the numbers have gotten pretty low. Um, It's a science-based state where our governor really is looking at the data, so I I feel as though the decisions are informed. Um, So I'm feeling okay. Um, Things are starting to open back up, but we're taking things very seriously and going pretty slow. And, um, you know, I've just been taking the time to uh, ingest a a lot of content, Um, you know, I've been watching a lot of stuff. I have been able to read a lot of stuff, and um, without the quarantine, my my reading time, unfortunately, had been really, really limited. Um, so I, I've just been taking advantage of the time that I have been given to um, just absorb um, a lot of movies, a lot of TV, um, books, and some comics, and obviously... Um, Spent a lot of time with my four-year-old, which has been has been really, really good. You know, I mean, I I don't what I'm about to say right now is not to take away from anyone that is is struggling due to the effects of the coronavirus, either physically, emotionally, or financially. But um, all I can all I can talk about really is is how it has affected me, and I recognize that I am fortunate in my position. Um, uh, but I, I've just been fortunate to have this time with, with my four-year-old and my wife. Um, it's such a magic time for a four-year-old. Uh, and, and so for me to, to be there with it, I've been very, very grateful for this. Um, so I'm just trying to be in the moment as much as possible, um, which means that I, I haven't really been able to do any, any podcasting. Um, so that brings me to today's episode which is not going to be a continuation of the endings of the works of Stephen King. The next time I do it, um, we're going to pick up where we left off, which is looking at the conclusion of Misery. Um, instead, I, I wanted to talk about some of the things that I have been reading and watching. Um, it's going to be a quarantine recommendation podcast. So over the years, here and there, I you know will have talked about, oh, I read this book. <clears throat> you know You guys should check out this book or I've watched this, you guys should check out uh, this. Um, and that's all that this is going to be, I'm sorry. I really haven't spoken to anybody <clears throat> in months, and I don't think that my vocal cords are ready to uh, to get back to uh, podcasting quite yet, so <clears throat> sorry about that. But what this podcast is gonna be, is uh just recommendations across the board um so if you needed if you wanted my thoughts on some some books i'm gonna i'm gonna share with you my thoughts on some books and some comic books and some tv um so that's just what this is it's just a check-in episode and uh, i will get back to um, you know what the podcast is uh soon you know so i just want to make sure that you all know that i'm not going anywhere um and that i am safe and everything is is A-OK over in the Constant Reader House. But before we get to that, I'm going to read some emails. Um, and if you have some time on your hands and you want to share your thoughts, please write in to StephenKingCast at yahoo.com. So up first, we have Kevin, who writes CR. A couple of things, first of all. I'm really enjoying your series on King's endings. I never felt like the criticism about his endings has been justified. I think when the ending wasn't great, it was largely because the book wasn't that great. To start with, side eye to the Tommyknockers, but in the vast majority of his cases, his endings are very satisfying. I like you are gathering, I like you are gathering feedback about each ending, but then providing your own thoughts and analysis. Listening to your recent podcast on the ending of it, it did strike me that the ending of that particular novel was more um, elegiac and poetic than King usually is. But that kind of writing was completely appropriate for the ending of a truly epic novel. the end of an era in his own fiction that was focused on growing up the ending of it was the end of king's childhood as a writer and he treated it with due respect he created one of the most satisfying conclusions to any novel i've ever read the last 40 to 50 pages of that book have more heart and soul than any typical novel i also just wanted to mention something that has changed for me in the past few months Back in 2010, I got an iPad when they were first released and started reading all of my books on that platform. So, Full Dark No Stars, 1122-63, The Wind Through the Keyhole of Dr. Sleep, The Bill Hodges uh, Trilogy, Revival, The Bazaar of Bad Dreams, The Outsider Institute, Revival were all read digitally. I recently decided for reasons unrelated to reading to get rid of the iPad. And because of that, If It Bleeds was the first King book that I have read in physical form in 10 years. And what a difference. There was something about the satisfaction of reading an actual book Turning an actual page, the smell of the paper, the feel of the binding, the entire experience. I had forgotten how great it was and I had no idea how much I missed it. I probably read dozens or hundreds of books on iBooks in the last 10 years and listened to several dozen on audiobooks. but the last couple of months, the six books that I've read actually holding the books in my hands have given me a greater sense of satisfaction and comfort than any books in the last decade. I've reread Lisi's story and Bag of Bones, as well as reading If It Bleeds and some non-King novels, and don't think I'll ever go back to ebooks. Maybe it's the comfort of old school books in this strange time of COVID-19, I don't know, but I figured a constant reader like yourself would appreciate, and I'm going to interject, um, as I'm going to get to later in this episode, yes, um, I, when given the choice um, to hold physical copies of books in my hand, that's what I have been doing as well. Lastly, I wanted to shout out your taste in music. The songs that you use in your podcast to complement the book that you're discussing is always a great treat. As a huge Springsteen fan, I particularly appreciate your use of Lost in the Flood and Glory Days for the It episodes and Even the Losers by Tom Petty on the recent revisit to Dairy. Keep up the great work on the podcast. I always enjoyed listening. Long days, pleasant nights, and no surrender. Kevin, Kevin, man, thank you for writing in. I uh, really, really appreciate it, Um, and I'll definitely talk about my love of physical books later in this episode. Ovi writes, hey, I'm a big fan of your podcast and a Stephen King super fan. I wanted to bring up a few details that I think that you might have missed regarding the books. Number one, Castle Rock is based on the fictitious location called Castle Rock in William Faulkner's Lord of the Flies, a book that Stephen King mentions repeatedly in Hearts in Atlantis, one of my favorite King books, by the way. Two, you expressed in one of your early episodes that Stephen King's early books all contained bad parents and traumatic upbringings. You also mentioned in one of your episodes that Stephen King's real-life experience influences books. However, I haven't heard you make the connection. Stephen King's father abandoned him at a young age, and his mother was extremely poor, leaving the children at home to go make a living and feed the family. Um, I'm going to interject. If I did not mention that... I apologize. That's a, a glaring omission. Maybe it was just um, an assumption of understanding, um, because I don't. Maybe this isn't the right word, but the mythology of King um, is very well known to his audiences. And one of the one of the strengths of King is that he's so personable, um, and he speaks directly to the audience. So he has often talked about his love of his mother um, and the abandonment. Um, By his father, Um, but yes, that's definitely a a massive component to who Stephen King is as a person um, and the, The the world in which he knows that then gets reflected in his work three I wanted to know if you had any thoughts on the underlying Jewish themes in most of King's books. Almost all of the books have Jewish references, and a few of his major works have Jewish main characters. I wanted to get your opinion to this as if you have noticed it as well, or if it was just me. I also wondered if you had an opinion regarding why it is that way. As I learned more and more about King's life, I was able, unable to deduce any Jewish connection. I have no comment. Um, I, that, that's not something that I had observed, um, so I really can't speak on onto that. So if anyone has any thoughts about that, please write into StephenKingcast at Yahoo.com. Thank you, Ovi, for writing in. And then we have Graham who writes, Hey Constant Reader, congratulations on having such a successful podcast. You've enhanced my King reading experience and propelled my priority of reading over any other media in order to finish the book so I can dive into your podcast. The first podcast I listened to was Pet Cemetery. Up until this point, I always took the stories at face value and never really thought about the metaphorical meanings being the story. I was totally blown away with the Pet Cemetery review and shown the novel in a whole new light. I'm about to embark on my reread of The Dark Tower. I read the stories uh, in two years, including all the novels with direct uh, connection to the series, starting with The Stand. I remember sitting in the delivery room just before my son was born with The Stand next to me. The midwife turns to me and says, you'll never finish that. One year later, I'd read the whole series and the other eight or so connecting novels. I made a playlist with all of your DT reviews along with the connecting novels and I can't wait to dive back into Midworld again, this time with you as part of my quartet, guiding me along the way. I've noticed a Kingism that you might not have thought of before, at least not mentioned in any of the episodes I've listened to, Dead Brothers. When I first started King, someone said to me that King was obsessed with Dead Brothers. I've kept this trait in mind during my read and I thought that I would list a few that I can remember. Um, so spoiler alert, guys, for um, uh, Stephen King books in general regarding Dead Brothers. I want to give this spoiler alert to, to all of you. Uh, so here are some examples. The Stand. Um, Frank Goldsmith, Fran's brother. It, George Denbro, uh, Baby Hoxtedder, Pet Cemetery; Gage Creed, The Body, Gordy's brother. The Outsider, Frankie Peterson, Mr. Mercedes, Frankie's brother. I'm sure there are more. Can you think of more examples? Off the top of my head, I cannot. Um, and that's a great Stephen Kingism. So if anyone has any other examples of dead brothers, uh, feel free to write into StephenKingCast at yahoo.com. Thanks again for providing providing this great podcast. It's a great companion to all of King's works and adaptations. I'm hoping in the future he will return to the Castle Rock series and Mr. Mercedes. And of course, we're eagerly awaiting the stand to drop at some point this year. Can't wait to see Marilyn Manson as trash can man. Cheers, Graham. Um, Has that been confirmed that Marilyn Manson is a trash can man? Um, I don't know if I, if that is confirmed or if that's just a rumor. We know that Marilyn Manson is going to be in it. Um, Personally, I do not want to see him as Trash Can Man. Um, the the Doomsday Sayer is is fine. I, I just don't want to see him as trash. Um, while I have you guys, and we're talking about the Stand. Um, I'm currently wearing, I survived the Captain Tripp's Superflu t-shirt from Cotet19.com. I strongly recommend anyone that wants some Stephen King swag to head on over to that website. Matt does a fantastic job over there. I just ordered two more t-shirts um, in the last couple days. Um, a Hemingford Home t-shirt uh, and a Salem's Lot um, baseball tee. So those are two um, parts of my uh, t-shirt collection that I cannot wait to, to put into my rotation. Um, but guys, if you want Stephen King-related apparel, this is the place to go. Um, so like I said, I have my uh, Superflu t-shirt right now, but one of my f- Favorite recent uh, additions to my wardrobe is my Trash Can Man T-shirt. I think that everyone should have a Trash Can Man T-shirt. So head on over to Stephen King Cast. I'm sorry, to uh, Katet Nineteen. Um, if you just type in Stephen King T-shirts, Katet Nineteen, it'll come up. You can buy hats, shirts, bags, masks. I have my um, Stephen King based on a Stephen King uh, hat on right now, and I'm walking around with my Ka symbol mask. So I'm all king swagged out, and you can be too by heading on over to that website. It's quality stuff. Thanks, Graham, for for writing in, um, by the way. Um, And yes, I will probably add CBS All Access to my list of streaming services. I've been been thinking about doing that anyway so my kid and I can watch um, The Legend of Korra. I'll talk about um, this a little bit in, um, in Recommendations avatar the last airbender but yeah for sure i think that uh i'll be having uh cbs all access in my future at some point then chris writes uh hello first thank you for what you've been doing with stephen king cast i love your clinical analysis of plot characters themes etc blended with the honest personal reflections of stephen king's works i've listened to about half of your episodes and i'm encouraged to read some stephen king works that i've previously skipped in part to reflect your analysis Second, I'm interested in your thoughts on the publication context of certain works and its potential effect on the content of the story. In your analysis of Skeleton cruise The Raft and note it as one of your favorite short stories, but that the sex scene struck you as unnecessary and a bit tad unbelievable, with the freezing and terrified characters having just witnessed their friends eaten by an otherworldly floating orb. While I agree with your sentiment in a vacuum, I think that it helps to remember that the story was first published in the Racy Men's Magazine Gallery, I could easily see Mr. King including said sex scene more with an eye towards publication and pleasing the likely audience and less for the scenes fit into the story itself. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this in any similar instances in the Kingverse and might make for another rabbit hole for your podcast as you work back through the catalog. Thanks, Chris. Chris, fantastic observation, one that I never would have thought about in a million years. That, yes, the, um, the, 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 the object... Um, and goal for publication um, might influence um, what the content within the, the stories themselves, um, what, it, what they look like. It's, it's great. I never would have thought of that. And I, I, I don't know how um, I don't know how, how King went about this. I don't know if he saw that there was a submission for a particular magazine and wrote to that submission or he was just banging stories out and once he was done, Um, started sending them out uh, to to different places you know like I when I submit um, I tend not to cater to um, publications I write when I'm inspired and then I see if anyone would take the stories that I have um, I have written Um, but every process is different so I, I don't know what King did back in the day but it's a great observation for sure okay um, so I want to talk about some recommendations uh, like I said um, you know the the quarantine um, being at home it has allowed me more time to, to do uh, some reading and I've I've uh, recommended some books in some previous episodes so I'm not I'm not really gonna uh, um, go back on what I've already um, recommended so far um, but I'm gonna talk about some of the books that I had not talked about yet, okay? So the first up um, that I hadn't talked about yet was Cosmology of Monsters by Sean Hamill. Um, This is a book that I've been floating around for a while, um, and now that I had some time on my hands, I decided to give it a shot. And what I really liked about this was the the conceit, um, was that it was the acknowledgement that in the... HP. Uh, Lovecraft Mythos, that the characters themselves were ciphers. They don't have a lot of personality. They are um, they're vehicles through which Lovecraft was able to reveal the cosmic horror. Um, and they were um, the avatars for uh, for for us to react to something. The likes of which the, the the human consciousness is was never designed to, to fully comprehend. Um, what Sean Hamill does is he takes some H.P. Lovecraft mythology and really personalizes it, and so takes it and says, "Okay, what what I'm going to do instead is to 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 showcase a Lovecraftian world and mythology through the most personal." Um, and the most intimate and the 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 the, the most human way possible so what he winds up doing is is creating a very intimate very personal tale of a family that is affected generationally um, by um, I don't want to say lovecraftian creature because that's going to give you the 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 idea of a tentacled um, you know alien Without any regard to humanity, and that's not exactly um, the the way that it's depicted. There is a monster that quote unquote haunts a family for generations, but it's not as simple as that. Um, and and really, it's the the Lovecraftian component, the monster story, um, can be read as a metaphor for for grief and mental illness as it's passed through generation to generation. Um, and so it, you can go into it as a, um, you know, you can read it as a horror story. You can read it as a family story. Um, it, it, it was just, it was something that I was really invested in as I was, I was reading it, and I strongly recommend it. Um, it, it it's, a, it's a particular flavor that you don't get to taste very often. Um and I'm and I'm wondering what uh, what Sean Hamill has in store. I was really engrossed. I couldn't put it down. I, I really cared about these characters and this particular family. Then, um I followed that up with uh, my best friend's exorcism by Grady Hendrix. Um So if you're a fan of Jennifer's body, uh then i think that this is is for you it it there's definitely some venn diagramming between jennifer's body and my best friend's exorcism uh and i think that jennifer's body it, it we just passed a um an anniversary of that movie and i, I don't know why but i I, I don't know if audiences were quite ready for that movie when that came out because I think that it was actually smarter than a lot of people gave credit for, um, and the exploration of female friendships, and uh, how difficult our uh, teenage years can be, um, is explored in both that movie and this book. Um, I really I really enjoyed it. It it really you know takes the idea of an exorcism, uh, and a possession. And, you know, uses it again as a metaphor for, um, uh, you know, changing changing friendships and, and quote-unquote uh, teenage betrayal um, in our high school years with lifelong friends and the pain that that causes and how we, we establish new identities for ourselves in our teenage years. Um, and how it can look like we're possessed. And so it takes all these metaphors and it it runs it through a very straightforward um, possession, um, in which yes, a girl is possessed uh, as a teenager, and um, what that does to her friend group and family and community, and it takes place in the 1980s. So if if you are missing your Stranger Things fix, Um, Around this time last year, I was, you know, we were all talking about Stranger Things because Stranger Things season three had just dropped, Um, and um, so if you're missing out on that '80s, that '80s feel, and you want some exorcism, then you can definitely check out My Best Friend's Exorcism by Grady Hendrix. It's fun. the 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 paperback edition is a lot. It just looks like a, you know, uh, an old beat up VHS um, copy that you would get in. in a movie rental place. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's definitely worth worth your time reading. I had a lot of fun with it. Um, I also read The Chill by Scott Carson. I had never read anything by Scott Carson before, and I was very impressed with the, the character work that, um, that he was able to craft in his book. Um, and I'm all for um, stories about reservoirs um, drowning local um, local towns. In fact, I, I had written a short story um, about about something like that once as well. Um, so this had the, all of the recipes, all of the ingredients for a recipe that I happen to enjoy reading. You know, a mystery, water-based horror, ghosts, um, you know, uh, the woods, small town, um, you know, and sunken villages. So I, I, I liked it. I will say this about it. I don't think that it, that it, it, it escalated um, a, a, as much as I had hoped that it would. Um, there is a, a level of tension that uh, that Scott Carson is able to create, but that tension for me personally uh, did not uh, increase. It stayed at a, at a at a pretty even level throughout the book, um, so I, I was sad to see that it didn't uh, it, it didn't shift gears. Um, but if you do want, you know, if you're sitting by a lake or you're sitting by a pool, um, or you're sitting outside one night, this is it's 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 a good summer read though. It doesn't take place in the summer. It, uh, but it, it's definitely because of the content. Because it does take place on the water, it's, it's still one of those good books to read during the summer, um, and I think that it was a pretty solid, well-written novel. I started reading *Kraken* by China Maiville. I don't know how to pronounce the last name. I've been um, wanting to read this for a while, uh, and I'm I'm not finished with it. I'm I'm not currently reading it. <laughs> I I actually put it down uh, so I could read a couple other books, but I'm I'm very um, invested in in this in this novel. Um, it I think that would be a good pairing with the raw sharp texts for me. Um, it does a really good job at, at thrusting you into a a world of cults and wizardry um, and secret police forces in London, um, all revolving around the mysterious disappearance of an Aratuthhus ducks. So for fans of Peter Benchley's uh, The Beast, you'll know that the Architeuthis dux is um, the scientific term for a giant squid um, that happens to be a little baby god um, that is is worshipped, and all the the mystical forces in London are converging on this one um, uh, museum uh, employee, uh, who is at the heart of this unbeknownst to him. So it's uh, it's Magical, it's fun. It's funny. It's harrowing. Uh, it's got a lot going for it um, There's a lot of, of different um, types of story that uh, is, is Woven into the DNA of this particular novel um, that I'm very much enjoying So uh, that that's one to, to check out as well. I'll give you my full thoughts when I've concluded um but so far I've, I've really enjoyed it um i just put down i just finished survivor song um I, I received it uh last tuesday um in the mail it came out last tuesday i was really excited about this survivor song by paul tremblay um i a couple years ago i went on a, a tremblay kick um when cabin at the end of the world came out so i read that um a head full of ghosts the disappearance at devil's rock like i said cabin at the end of the world and was there another one that i might have read i can't remember um but i very much enjoy his particular um i've, I've used this term a couple times This podcast flavor um but the the, the style that he writes is very hard hitting very matter of fact um there's always an ambiguity um in in his work and though he is published in the, the horror genre his his particular style and his approach if there was a line in the sand um it's always on this side of realism rather than taking a concept and then stepping over the line and giving us the the more fantastic version of it so let me give you an example um obviously i'm a big fan of the stand by stephen king i'm wearing a shirt based on um the property of the stand but the stand takes the concept of what happens when a a virus hits uh you know the the population and it, it examines that the most extreme um, what-if possibility. What um, what Paul Tremblay does instead is he examines it, but he dials it back. So it's always firmly in our reality, maybe, maybe one step out of what it is um, right now. So with Survivor Song, don't call it a zombie novel, um, but what it is is a... A strain of rabies has hit the population um, and affects humans. And it can turn them into, you know, what you expect to see out of a, a, like, 28 days later. Um, But rather than showing, and maybe this is spoilers, so if you want to go in cold, don't listen to the rest of this review for... um, Uh, survivor song um but rather than giving us the complete end of the world it it shows what a an infection looks like um in a world that does not crumble um that is able to combat it and contain it um and i i don't know when this was written i i don't know if he if this was I mean i have to imagine that he wrote this prior to everything that went down this year but be warned while reading this book it hits very close to home so this is not escapism this is a doubling down on on how our world is with a virus that um you know our virus it can get us sick and it can kill us this one will make you go rabid first before killing you but it starts off with a quarantine. Um, we see uh, social media forums and the, the 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 lack of logic that goes into those. Um, it shows there's one particular sequence in which right wing conspiracy theorists um, get in the way of um, of our our main characters trying to get somewhere. Um, you know, so you, you get a lot of the 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 sociological components that go into a quarantine during a virus um, that we are seeing and we're living right now, but it it does so through a very clear, very well-established, very um, well-written conflict, which is a pregnant woman needs to get to a hospital. She is about, she's going to give birth any minute, um, and she's in a quarantined, area in massachusetts and how is she going to do that when there is a lockdown um, and the hospitals are are being overrun with um, infected patients and like i said so it's not stylized it is not this fantastical um, post-apocalyptic wish fulfillment fantasy of the end of the world that we've gotten so many times this very is a, a a slice of life um in 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 a very very recognizable real world and for fans of other paul Tremblay novels i'm not going to say what but um you are are gifted the um the return of a couple characters um to see where they have been um what they've been up to since the last time that you saw them i did not expect that in fact it actually kind of took me a, a while to to realize that they were the characters um that they actually are, so that that was nice. That there is a Paul Tremblay shared universe out there. Um, so yeah, definitely. I, I I was, that was that one was hard to put down, but at the same time because it is it is so close to home, it was it was kind of hard to pick up at times as well. Um, I read Final Girls by Riley Sager, um, and I'm gonna admit that I was disappointed with this one. Um, I have not read anything by Riley Sager. Prior to this, and I really liked the concept, which is the the survivors of, um, well, the final girls, as you know, um, are is the term that has been given to the the final girl, um, in a in a slasher or horror um, movie. So, I, I like the idea of these these women that had um, survived. Uh, incredibly traumatic uh violent circumstances coming together um and the mystery around it but i felt that it didn't fully lean on speak to comment on or play within the tropes of horror movies um i don't think that it was the full execution of the vision as i had um thought it would be so that's uh, my own bias is going into this very quick review of it um I will say that I, um, I'm not tooting my own horn too much, but very early on, so as to not uh, kind of flag it for you, but very early on, I figured out the twist um, very, very, very early on. Um, and so everything after that was kind of a slow descent into uh, predictability for me. Um, but I, I i just i really wanted to like it i was really excited to get it it's been on my list of books to read for a while um but like i said because it, it didn't fully embrace the the tropes or speak to the themes or the motifs or the conventions of um slasher movies um and maybe because i wanted more of a supernatural element to it um again I'm coming to it very subjectively. I'm not giving you the most objective reviews here. Um, I, I I was I walked away a little disappointed. Similarly, guys, and I can't really I, I can't really give much of an opinion on this because I, I it's a book that I put down and I don't think that I'm going to be returning to it, and it, it pains me to say so. Um, but welcome to Night Vale. I, I just can't get into it. I'm 150 pages in. Um, it to me personally, it's just too much. Um, I know that it's uh, it's beloved. Um, I've never checked out the podcast before, um, but it's something that I, I've been wanting to read for a while. Um, I want to like it. Um, but to me, I think that there's something to be said about having a character function as our eyes and ears, someone coming from the normal world, and then experiencing the abnormality of an abnormal world um and that way you're, you're able to really see what the difference is whereas welcome to nightville everything is abnormal everything is different um and to me it's almost just it's almost too much so this is not like i said th- this is the most subjective of the subjective reviews that i'll give but i just think that it's just not for me um but I, I am interested in why it works for others. So please, if you feel strongly about Welcome to Nightvale, please write in at stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. I really wanted to like it. I really wanted to like it. Um, and maybe we'll get back to it at some point. Um, but I, I was really struggling. It's well written, but I was really struggling. All right. All of this leads me to what I'm claiming to be the book of the summer. Um, I was really excited to get it. Um, and I had high hopes for this, and it does not disappoint. I could not put this book down. I devoured it. I am finished it in a couple of days, and I'm recommending it to, to everyone um, that likes to read. And that's Devolution by Max Brooks. Um, if that name is familiar to you, Max had written uh, World War Z. And if you've only seen the movie, you're doing yourself a disservice. Please read the book because it is an, it's an amazing examination of what really would occur on every aspect of a zombie apocalypse. Um, from a um, political standpoint, from a reporter standpoint, from an everyday standpoint, from a military standpoint, um, from a presidential standpoint, from a wealthy standpoint, it just really, there's no stone unturned in what would happen it's very realistic and, and that's where the frightening aspect is, is that um, what you see. So World War Z, the, the conceit of it is that it, it, it takes place after um, the zombie apocalypse, um, when the world is picking up picking its, putting itself back together. And this is the oral history of what had occurred. Um, and similarly, uh, with devolution, it, it takes the approach of an event had occurred. And this is the, um, it's, it's, it's cobbling the events together after the fact. So <clears throat> what, what the, the premise is, is in a commune in Washington, deep in the woods, south of Mount Rainier, um, there is a commune um, inhabited by um, yuppies and uh, tech gurus and uh, the the wealthy um so it's it, it it gives you the 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 premise of living a a rugged life um with all of the conveniences of of uh of our current of our current day um and there is a natural disaster when mount, mount rainier uh explodes and all of a sudden they are now trapped on they trapped they can't get to uh the road they can't escape um they're they're there and they have to figure out just how to survive on top of this the explosion is driving a uh a pack of big feet towards them and that is the the conflict so if you want your uh summertime Bigfoot action! This is the book to do it. Uh, you know, I always went camping when I was growing up. The lore of of Bigfoot loomed large in my mind. I'm a big fan of Bigfoot, uh, and so this is the the Bigfoot fiction that I I always wanted. Um, it's wonderful, wonderful Bigfoot horror. Uh, I was really excited. It's great. It's got a fantastic ending. Um, it and it's a constant escal, um, escalation of the tension. so I, I was just so happy, so happy with uh, with devolution. to me, that's gonna be the the book to beat for the summer. I um, I'm gonna be ordering uh, the only good Indian and I have the boat the boatman's daughter to read. Those are the next two books on my list to read before the end of the summer. So that's what I've been reading. Uh, So far this summer, Um, in terms of novels uh, for you, comic book fans out there, um, using the DC Universe app, I finally got around to reading *Flex Mentallo* by Grant Morrison. I'm a big Grant Morrison fan. I never read it before, Um, and it did not disappoint. So for you Grant Morrison fans out there, uh, it's it's wonderful. It's wild. I had talked about *Carthago* before. I strongly recommend it. I have not seen a lot of buzz on Twitter. it's, it's a crazy, globe-spanning, underwater adventure story that I, I strongly recommend. Carthago, you can download that on Comixology. In the early 2000s, I um, was a big fan of Robert Kirkman's Invincible. I have strong and happy memories of getting um, deep into the world of Mark Grayson and, and his life of superheroics, and at some point I put it down and, um, you know, now that the book has concluded and now that I had some time, I was able to get back to it and pick up where I had left. Uh, no, sorry. I went back and did a complete reread from what I had read um, to the point where I had left off. Um, and, I, and I should never have put it down. Um, it is such a pure distillation of superheroics. It's ultra violent. Um, it's so well done. Um, I I really enjoyed Invincible at the time. I kind of soured on it for some reason. I don't know what it was. Um, But it's a great binge read. Um, And I'm very... I was so happy. So happy to be back in that world. I loved Invincible, and I strongly recommend uh, reading it. On top of that, I did a complete reread, I think for my third time, of Jason Aaron's seven-year... Um, story arc on Thor. So Thor, God of Thunder, Thor, Mighty Thor, Thor, Unworthy Thor, um, uh, uh, The War of the Realms, and King Thor. Uh, it's kind of hard to juggle all the Thors, but one of the the running plots throughout his, his run is that there are multiple Thors. There's so many Thors, so it makes sense that there's a bunch of Thor books. Um i just don't foresee anyone ever being able to top jason aaron's run it is epic it examines this character as a god as a superhero as a son um as someone that is vulnerable someone that um is boastful someone that is immortal someone that is fragile it's it's every aspect of who this character is is examined with depth and care um it is epic in the truest sense of the world word um there is time travel involved it 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 shows you the life of thor from the you know from his humble beginnings to his um to his end um and it's beautiful it is you know um Scott Snyder over in D.C., uh, you know, he gets a lot of credit for the D.C. metal story that he did, where everything is quote-unquote metal, like you use it as an adjective, you know, like, oh, that's so metal. But there are so many moments of Jason Aaron's Thor that are, that out metal, D.C.'s metal. Um, It's funny, it's heartfelt, it's grand, it's cool. You know those moments that occur in in Marvel movies that are just, like, applause-worthy, You know, um, that happens all the time in Jason Aaron's books. So I strongly recommend Jason Aaron's Thor. Last year, when um, Jonathan Hickman's um, X-Men books were coming out, I did a a reread of his Fantastic Four run. And this year, I've gotten back to reading his Avengers and New Avengers leading up to Secret Wars uh, run. I just put it down um, today. I just finished... And he, Jason Hickman, I mean, Jonathan Hickman just operates on a level, the likes of which nobody else does. His, his vision for his stories are so intertwined with each other that he can never just do one book, he has to do two. So he did Fantastic Four and he did Future Foundation. He did, um, you know, he's doing House of X and Powers of X. And Now he's doing uh, you know, then he did Avengers and new Avengers and it just it's one book is not enough to contain all of his ideas and all the, And all of his vision and it's it's amazing. It's it's The, the construction of his stories is unparalleled um, And what I love about the Avengers new Avengers Leading into secret wars is that those secret wars is a culmination of the Avengers new Avengers incursion plotline really what it is It's a, it's a backdoor culmination to his work on Fantastic Four that at the end of the day nothing else matters except Doom and Reed Richards and it's so cool he does such a good job so Jonathan Hickman anything that Jonathan Hickman does I I strongly recommend um and lately my obsession um at night after I've put my kid down has been to play The Last of Us 2 so I'm about 22 hours into that and I'll give my thoughts uh when I when I complete it I I get I have, I've been staying away online, um, but there's a lot of thoughts online, um, and a lot of people don't like it, I guess. Um, liking it is kind of a, a weird term to use for what is designed to be a hard-hitting game. It's supposed to be torturous. I mean, the first one was. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's everything that I wanted it to be. Um, it's gripping. It's harrowing. Um, incredibly fully realized characters um, making... Uh, taking us through a post-apocalyptic beautifully rendered world so i i I mean i have a sense of why people might be upset at aspects of the game but i don't know i mean that's that's what fiction is it's a it's a it's designed to make you feel and it it, this game has made me feel for sure so i'm enjoying the last of us two very very much um but for me you know every year there's always something that stands out in the summer um whether it's a book, whether it's a TV show, whether it's a movie, you know, a couple of years ago, my daughter and I, we watched Gravity Falls. And that was the the piece of content for the summer that I'll, I'll always treasure and always remember fondly. Last year, it was uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion that I watched on my daughter, um, that I just I strongly um, kind of just consumed that. Um, this year, I, I, I've I've, you know, watched a lot. You know, I, I did all the, the, the Felony Star Wars stuff. I did a rewatch of Breaking Bad completely. Um, but the, the thing for me this year, this summer, has been um, my, my daughter, my wife, and I being able to watch Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix. Um, I watched it. I remember, and it's just a form of time travel. I remember when... Um, I lived in the old house with my wife before we were married um, in this little shack ten plus years ago, DVRing that show in the summer and watching it with my dog who was a puppy. We had just gotten her. That was the summer that we had just gotten her, and she reminded me of of Appa, the flying bison in the show. And here we are now, um, ten plus years later. Our dog is with us still, and. My daughter is joking and laughing that um, maybe reminds her of Appa. which just so sweet. So, being able to watch this show with her um, has been very, very special. You know, we, in fact, you know, we, we watched it once already, and now she liked it so much she wants to watch it again. So it's part of our bedtime routine. I bought her an, an Appa um, stuffed animal. I've never seen her happier. My wife made a uh, a glider like ang has and just to see her running around the yard with it has been just so special it's a it's a magical incredibly fully realized show um that explores a lot of adult societal themes um and just to have a show about trying to end a war with a pacifist as the main character is i mean you don't get that um and to have a kid's show do that it so (laughs) And then you know it's you know my daughter loves uncle iroh and she'll be laughing at at iroh uh you know drinking tea or being silly and then i'll be next to her sobbing uncontrollably unbeknownst to her every time you know iroh you know shows the depths of his humanity or mentions uh, you know his fallen son that show has a incredible one-two punch in the tales of Bossing say especially his uh, iroh story Um, and i've been listening to a a cover on youtube of uh, leaves from the vine the song that iroh sings while he mourns his son um that's just beautiful it's I'll, i'll share it on twitter um it's a it's a piano rendition um of leaves leaves from the vine and it's it's beautiful um but that that episode and the follow-up episode uh to show that that shows what happened to appa and gives us appa's perspective is just so so heartbreaking and so well done and for anyone that's ever had an animal and lost the animal um you know it's going to definitely make you feel you know um so, Avatar: Last Ember, Last Airbender is such an, an incredible show, and I've just been very fortunate to be able to to watch it with a, a new perspective and in a new way. And so, like I said earlier, I uh, I might get um, CBS All Access so that we can watch um, The Legend of Korra together, um, which I would love to do. Okay, guys, thank you for for just sticking with me for the last hour as I kind of rambled on at you. But those are some recommendations that I have for you. If you have any recommendations for me, write into Kingcast at yahoo.com. And don't worry, I'll be back soon enough with another episode. Um, I'm sorry that it's been so long. I don't like leaving you in lurch like that. Um, but, uh, you know, keep checking the feed. Um, stay safe, be careful, be cautious, um, do what you can. Uh, to minimize the, the exposure of, of COVID-19 so that we can all get back to some level of normalcy. And so, uh, yeah, just write into Stephen Kingcast at yahoo.com. Or if you have a spare minute on your hand, um, please uh, head on over to iTunes, leave a review. And if you have some cash that's been sitting in your pocket that you want to spend, head on over to content19.com to uh to buy some stephen king swag you won't be disappointed trust me i have a bureau full of this stuff at this and i love it so guys that's all i got for this week may you have long days and pleasant nights and i'll see you here next week where m-o-o-n spells stephen king cast